0: Hello and welcome back to Leader Up, a podcast of Army Management Staff College. Leader Up is a professional conversation where we discuss a broad range of leadership and leader development topics with an emphasis on the Army civilian professional. I'm your host, David Howey. On today's episode of Leader Up, we've got a, a practical, useful, timely show for you out there in the Leader Up audience. The topic for today's podcast is registering for CES classes, and we've got two people from right here on the Army Management Staff College staff to talk about how you can register for your CES course that you need to complete. And so let me bring my guests in. Uh, Our first guest is Ms. Carrie Cricky, and she is the registrar for Army Management Staff College so Carrie, thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Dave, for having me. It's my pleasure being here.
0: All right. Thank you very much. And our other guest is Mr. Jimmy James. And Jimmy James is the assistant army management staff college registrar. So Jimmy, thanks for being with us today on Leader Up. And Dave, again, thank you for having us. All right. Well, let's, let's jump in and talk about uh, the registration process. Uh, but first I want to kind of big picture talk about the CES program itself. So Carrie, I want to start with you on this. What is the CES program?
1: Sure. Dave, the CES program is the Army's leader development program for all Army civilians. And again, I want to reiterate all Army civilians. This provides progressive and sequential education for Army civilians at key positions throughout their career. Courses of instruction are provided through blended learning, DL, and resident instruction. Course attendance is targeted towards specific civilian grades and or pay bands.
0: And that's relevant that, that it's targeted to specific uh, grades and pay bands. And we're going to get into that a little bit later about how I can find out what course I'm supposed to go to. But let's let's go into... The role of the registrar, because you two, Carrie and Jimmy, are the registrars of AMSC. And so what is the role of the registrar in that that CES process?
1: Sure. So our, our role is to ensure that the course schedule is input into ATARs and assist students with their applications throughout Chartist if they need assistance with profile, where their application is is at, who is it pending. Um, We also provide um, information in reference to how do I do my DTS authorization, um, plan and coordinate lodging for resident students attending here at Fort Leavenworth, Um, We also make sure that we provide course certificates at the end of the the course completion and also provide transcript if requested by the student.
0: And how do I, if I am uh, an Army civilian and I need to go to a CES course, how do I know which CES course that I'm supposed to go to uh, and how do I apply for it?
2: Dave, I can answer that. Um, Basically, it's all based on your your pay grade as a civilian. Let me go through the courses real quick under uh, the civilian education system. We have the foundation course, the basic, the intermediate, and the advanced course. And then we have the continuing education for senior leaders, also known as CECL. Um, So, again, the foundation course uh, is exactly what it says. It's the base foundation for all civilians. So this is gs 1 through 15. Basically, if you were hired on, or on after 30 September 2006, you're required to take the foundation course. Um, if you're a GS-15, you get to take the foundation course. If you're a retired sergeant major, retired colonel, you get to take the foundation course. If you were hired as an Army civilian after that date. Um, again, if you were in a, another service as a civilian and switched over to Army, That date that you became an Army civilian determines that, when that that date is. Uh, Basic course is targeted for GS1 through 9 or equivalent pay bands. Uh, Intermediate course, GS10 through 12 and equivalent pay bands. Uh, Advanced course is GS13 through 15, equivalent pay bands also. And the continuing education for senior leaders is targeted for GS14s and 15s. Um, and equivalent pay bands.
0: And so when I hear this phrase, uh, your grade-specific CES course, that's what that's talking about, what you just laid out. And, um, and where can I find that? If I want to go see where that's codified, uh, where would I go to find that?
2: That is actually in uh, Army Regulation AR 350-1 Chapter 4. And just just a uh, kind of a side note, the intermediate and the advanced course currently are the only two courses that require a Phase 1 completion prior to applying for Phase 2. Uh, the basic course at one time had a Phase 1, so if you've heard that, that is a true statement, but it is no longer uh,
0: a requirement. Um, they've consolidated Phase 1 and 2 into one course. And, and so that, uh, that's a good point about the, the Phase 1, which is uh, distance learning um, course. I take that, and that qualifies me or makes me eligible for phase two. But what's the time? So if I if I take my phase one, and I do my phase one, how long will that phase one be good for me to uh, apply for the uh, for phase two?
2: Right, right.
0: the The phase one upon
2: completion, you have four years uh, that it's good for um, before you have to take the phase two. If you go beyond the four years, you'll have to retake Phase One before uh, being eligible to apply for Phase Two.
0: And so, folks out there in the leader-up audience, you just heard uh, the way this CES program is broken down—that uh, you have a specific course for the grade that you're in. And so, that if you're wondering about CES, that's probably uh, a good first place to start is to find out. Uh, which of those courses uh, is your grade-specific CES course. And so once I find that out, how do I register? What's the process for registering for a CES course?
1: Dave, that is a great question. The first first step you want to do as an individual, as a student, or an applicant, I should say, is to meet with your supervisor, to discuss your training opportunities and set those guidelines to complete your CS requirement. So first and foremost is sit down with your supervisor, go over your plan, look at the course schedule, see when your schedule allows you to, to attend, um, and then what you want to do is you want to go into the Civilian Human Resource Training Application System, which is the CHARTIS system and to submit your application. Once you log into Chartist, you, your first thing you want to do is to ensure that your Chartist profile is up to date. That is making sure that your supervisor's information is correct, your email information is, is up to date. The biggest uh, thing that we run into is students' do not update their profile and the email address is incorrect and so they don't get the course information. So it's really important to ensure that your email address is correct in that Chartist profile. Once you have your Chartist profile established you're going to apply for training. You're going to go in and you're going to select your particular course um, say for instance you're applying for phase two you're going to have various selections in reference to um, the course modalities that's going to be virtual resident or at a met location but you're going to have all that identified already because you've discussed that with your supervisor so you're going to go in and and make that selection you're going to select that specific course date for that course and you're going to apply for training. Once you submit that application, it's gonna go to your supervisor for approval. Your supervisor is gonna receive an email saying that you've applied for this particular course. Your supervisor needs to log into Chartist and approve that application. Once that application is approved by the supervisor, it's gonna be sent directly to your commands quota manager for processing. Your quota manager will then receive your application and either one puts you in a reservation if a quota is available. If a quota is not available, they will put you in a wait status. And once your application is approved, you're going to get an email from Chartist letting you know that your application has been approved, and either you're in a a reservation or a wait status for that particular course date. And it's real important that you go in and make sure that you have this course date on your calendar. Um, You will receive information from the school uh, 30 days prior to the course start date um, with additional information in reference to how to access your course. If it's virtual, if it's resident course, you're going to, you're going to receive information in reference to TDY orders, um, lodging instructions. So it's just you know keep an eye out on that email
0: and can you just address a little bit more uh who the quota manager is and what their role is in the process and why does that matter to someone Who's applying for a CES course?
1: Sure, each each of the commands have have a quota manager, and what it is 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 we allocate the seats or the quotas to each of the commands. The commands are responsible are responsible for filling those seats, and so they will go in and process that application, um, and and play that role as approving your application for charters.
0: And so sometimes uh, a student might think that uh, AMSC is not processing or is not doling out a, a seat to them, but it it may be uh, that, that, that it's at the quota manager level. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. And so, you know, you could either contact your your supervisor to find out who that quota manager is, or you can get a hold of our office and we can assist in, in, in making sure that you have the correct point of contact to get that application processed.
0: And so the message is don't suffer in silence. If, if you're having, having trouble, let somebody know. Correct. Get, get it elevated so that somebody can troubleshoot you through the process.
1: Correct, correct. And also, too, I want to reiterate in reference to the quotas. Um, again, I said that quotas are allocated to the command. At 45 days prior to the report date, if we have any available seats or quotas left, The applications will be the the quotas will be released and given to an applicant that is in a wait status. So even though you're in a wait status, say sixty days prior to the course start date, don't give up because you you still may receive a seat in that particular course at forty five days.
0: And if I'm in that status, um, I need to be prepared to go to that course because there may be last minute cancellations or last minute opportunities for me
1: that is correct
0: and I may find out um days before week before is that po- is it possible it, it is but,
1: possible yes
0: and um we talked earlier about uh the need to to cancel and so if I'm in that wait list and I know that I'm not going to go
2: yeah I, I was going to chime in and and uh, hit that point that when you're in a wait status again Like Dave mentioned, uh, you could possibly be selected to attend the course up to, you know, days prior to the start date. So if you know that there's another commitment that you've signed up for, you're not going to be available during those class dates, you must go into Chartist and cancel that application to avoid the additional uh, uh, being selected. Uh, Again, it's an automatic process in, in, in ATARs. And um, once you're in a reservation, you have to now you have to do a cancellation because
0: if you don't, then you're gonna end up being a no-show so and being a no-show becomes very painful for the for your parent organization. Yes,
2: not to mention that some commands have uh, cancellation policies, so there may be additional paperwork that you have to uh, provide. Um, I'm aware of commands that require SES or uh, GO, general officer level um, approval before they'll approve the cancellation. So to avoid that mess, um, you know, if you're in a wait status and know that you can't go to that class, go into Chartist and cancel that application.
0: And so I want to talk a little bit about um, funding. And I, the, the phrase that I hear, and I, I know a lot of people hear, uh, and I'd just like to uh, you to elaborate on it, is CES is centrally funded. And, and what does that phrase actually mean?
1: Sure. The course is it, it, centrally funded is, means that permanent appointed Army civilians um, are centrally funded. So um, our courses are funded in reference to travel per diem, your your so that is your meals and lodging and uh, other expenses like taxis and things like that they they are centrally funded through acma and acma is the army civilian career management activity so when you're coming here to fort leavenworth you're going to be centrally funded as long as you are a department of the army civilian now If they're, say, for instance, if you're a military member or a term or temporary Army civilian or a non-Army employee, your organization will need to fund that TDY expense. There is no tuition fee to attend the CES course, but if you, again, if you are a military member, term or temporary Army civilian or a non-Army employee, you're going to be funded through your organization.
0: And I'm just curious, how common is is it that we have people from uh, outside of that funded uh, audience to come to CES courses?
1: We have had uh, other non-Army entities attend our course. Uh, I won't say we will have a lot, but we have had some, yes.
0: I've seen one military person come through right after I got here in 2008 And uh, it's the only military person I've ever seen.
1: Right, and we do have more military attend the Cecil course. Right, other than you know the basic or intermediate, advanced course.
2: And and I'd like to jump in also. uh, Reference funding. Um, A lot of folks don't realize that local nationals, Army civilians, are also centrally funded. Um, So just because they're they're not U.S. citizens, but so long as they are permanent employee
0: of the army as a local national they can attend the course centrally funded and, and so for the organization that's sending an army civilian to a ces course the, the cost for them essentially is the the time that they're away uh, to to actually be away from their jobs to attend the course.
1: That is correct. The, uh, the only thing that that is not centrally funded when attending a CES course is going to be a rental car. So if your organization is, is willing to fund that rental car for you, you'll just need to allocate that line of accounting on on your DTS authorization.
0: And we do at AMSC, we provide some uh, help assistance with uh, DTS processing and all of that, we do. We can do a little bit of that. Correct.
1: That is correct. We can help with your DTS authorization. Um, we can point you in the right direction. We can also provide point of contacts at ACMA if further assistance is needed.
0: Okay, now let's let's switch over to uh, what happens if uh, uh, something has happened in my life or my job, and uh, I can't come. I'm, I'm going to have to make that choice uh to cancel my reservation or my enrollment so what hap- what am i supposed to do if that takes place
2: again uh, canceling your application whether it be in a reservation or a wait status um you'll you'll have to follow your your command's policy uh but to initiate that cancellation you would have to log into Chartist. um you go into your training history believe it or not and find the course that you're wanting to cancel out of, and there'll be a button there that that basically um, initiates the cancellation. Um, once you open that up, you'll put your comments in why you're canceling, and just like the original application, it goes through the same routing. Uh, it'll go to your supervisor. The supervisor can either approve or disapprove. Um, if approved, then it goes again to the command quota manager uh, for final disposition. Um, again, based on the command's policy for cancellations, if everything, all, everything's in order, they'll go ahead and cancel it. Um, if not, they'll, you know, let you know what needs to be done. Um, but again, uh, time is of an essence. Um, if you wait to the last minute, there's a good chance that process won't be fully um, completed prior to the start date. And once it starts, if you're still in a reservation, uh, the only option is you'll be a no-show. Uh, you can't cancel after the fact. So just be aware that time is, is your enemy in the cancellation process. Uh, again, it's not just, hey, I want to cancel and it's done. There's several steps and several people that have their hands on that application before it's complete.
0: And a no-show means um, what that looks like is uh, either the student is assigned to a hotel room and they never go to that hotel room uh, or uh, the first day of class on Monday morning, 730, there there's a list of students and uh, they're uh, accounted for. And then there's one, however many might be, that aren't accounted for and they just aren't there. And, and that's considered a no-show Correct. is what you're saying. It's basically, I, I chose not to go, but I didn't go through this process. And when that happens, that just becomes very painful back to the organization. Correct, and it's uh, it's also a waste of a of an asset.
1: Right, resources, funding, opportunity. So so if if you're not able to to attend, please ensure that your cancellation is submitted so it will allow someone else the other you know the training opportunity.
0: And that's why um, I I you you mentioned earlier, Carrie. The first step was to Talk to your supervisor, and uh, this is probably uh, related to that, is just communicate with your supervisor about your desire to go to the course uh, and also if you're having trouble to talk to your supervisor uh, about your status. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Correct.
1: No, that's okay. Also, I just want to reiterate that that is also outlined in AR 350-1 Chapter 4, Dash three e, You know, supervisors have a responsibility to ensure that their employees are trained. So, you know, don't miss this training opportunity.
2: Yeah, um, and and just to, you know, jump on the tail end of that conversation, uh, like Carrie just mentioned, the uh, 350-1, 4-3 uh, paragraph echo uh, it specifically says, there, there's a lot of misconception about um, taking courses online. I have to do it from home. You know, I, I, I got to get this done, but I never have time to get it done. And it's spelled out in 350-1. Um, Supervisors and managers are responsible for setting guidelines that allow employees duty time to complete required distance learning training. So a lot of times we hear that a lot from the field. You know, I just don't have time to get phase one done. Um, the Army regulation says you will have time to get it done. Um, again, that's the conversation between you and your supervisor to set uh, ground rules and, and, and make it happen.
0: And, and a supervisor can say, I, c- I can allow you to uh, use two, two hours a week or something like that. Correct. Um, a specific amount of time. Uh, not uh, you're going to have to do that on your own time exactly that's not that's not an acceptable response correct and um you talked a little bit about the phase one and um students have six months uh about six months it's uh i think a couple of days shy of that but uh that they just have to get that done. There's, there's really not any, uh, any work around, right, right. Uh, around that. And, and, and
2: yeah, Dave, the, the, it's 180 days, which equates to roughly six months. But we'll stick with the 180 days. Right. That's how the system's set up. Um, you know, six months to complete a course. That's, you know, I'm just gonna ballpark it 40 hours total. Um, you got plenty of time to do it. Uh, one of the biggest things that we run into is procrastinators. Uh, Oh my goodness. My, my phase one is about to expire as far as getting it completed. Um, I've got two weeks to complete it. Uh, I'll just ask for an extension. Well, unfortunately there are no extensions. You've got plenty, plenty of time to get it completed. Um, The unfortunate thing is, is whatever you've done, if you don't complete it within that 180 days will be lost and you start from, you know, step one. I uh, have to complete everything over again. So just, you know, time management, um, once you sign up for it, uh, you know, set aside some time each week, every couple of weeks, whatever, but plenty of time to knock it out.
0: And I, I've had folks uh, in the intermediate course phase one uh, send emails in and ask for extensions, and I, I contact them back and tell them, you, number one, you got you've got the time to get it done just commit yourself to doing it and they do it. And then afterwards, every now and then I'll get an email back saying, uh, thank you for holding me accountable. Cause now I got it finished and I don't have to worry about right, it. Right. Cause if I, if I waited until right before the deadline and then I get more time, I'm probably going to get very close to the next deadline again and kind of do the same thing. Right. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about some errors that you see that uh, students out there, potential students make that uh, uh, slows them down, slow or confuses them uh, in the process.
1: Sure. I, I will I will start off with I'm unable to apply for my phase two training. So again, everything is outlined in AR350 one. And the majority is they need to complete the foundation course. They're a new Army civilian employee, and they haven't completed the foundation course. So even though you can apply for phase one of your target CES course, you still, and if you're hired after 30 September 2006, you have to complete the foundation course. So once you have the foundation course completed, um, you will then, you know, go on and, and complete your phase one requirement but a, a lot of times they're frustrated because they can't apply for phase two and it and it's that phase is that foundation course requirement that needs to be completed
2: right and and uh, <clears throat> going back to what you mentioned earlier in the application process uh, the profile you know prior to applying uh click on your profile button, make sure emails. That's the primary means of communication these days, especially through this application process, is email addresses. Um, We had a big hiccup when the Army transitioned to the new army.mil. A lot of people weren't notified in a timely manner. Um, That's for the most part been corrected, but again, double check, make sure it's uh, the correct email that you're receiving. Uh, make sure your supervisor is is the current supervisor that you get. Uh, that's one of the other big ones. Is I applied, but my supervisor didn't get notified, and he doesn't see it in in his queue. Um, go to the profile and come to find out it's someone who retired or is at another command. Um, it's sitting in their queue, um, and they chose not to you know let you know. Hey, you know I received this notification, but I'm not your supervisor anymore. So. So profile is very important, um, along with emergency contact information within that profile and, and you know, current uh, duty status or as far as, you know, unit organization that you're assigned to.
0: And the, 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 the grade uh, levels for each course, that I think you mentioned this, but that there's equivalent uh, grades in uh, NAF and, and the other pay bands.
1: To to include wage grade em, employees, we don't want to you know leave them out also because they are eligible to attend the CES courses.
0: I'd like to to talk about the difference in these two terms, uh, equivalency and constructive credit, because those are those are two different things. And what do they do, and how are they different? How are they similar? And how are they different? Okay.
2: So, <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a very common, uh, I don't want to say misconception, but th- there's confusion out there. What is equivalent credit? And what is constructive credit? So I'll start off with the equivalent credit. Um, basically, that is um, credit that is credit given for your, or I, w- I won't even say your target, but for a CES level course, for completion of a PME, a professional military education course that you took while you were in the military. Um, for example, advanced non-commissioned officer course is an equivalent course to the basic course. So had you completed that course while you were in the military, um, the system ATARs and chartists will automatically screen your record, your training record, identify that PME course that you completed, and give you credit on the charter side, saying that you now have equivalency credit for the basic course. However, that's not always uh, 100% 100 foolproof. In other words, uh, as everyone knows, there's many course numbers that associate with a uh, a level course. In other words, I'm using the example of Advanced Non-Commissioned Officer Course, the ANOC. Um, each MOS has their own level of uh, course number for their ANOC. Um, so not every single course number is, is in the database for Chartist to identify that course as an equivalent course. Um, so when that happens, uh, there is a manual request that you can put in through the Chartist system um, to request equivalent credit because, hey, I took this course when I was in the military. Um, basically, you just pr- provide proof, uh, a DA form or DD form. This uh, escapes my mind now. The 1059? 10, 10 yeah,
1: 1059.
2: Thank you. Um, or, or a certificate showing that you've completed the course. That then goes from. The charter system sends it up to Headquarters DA, and there's someone up there that reviews that paperwork. And then if they say, yep, that's, that's an equivalent course, they click a button, and you get your equivalency. Okay, so that's equivalent um, course credit. Now we have constructive course credit. So for those that, that never had the opportunity to, to attend a PME course, in other words, they weren't in the military or they never, re- you know, reached a certain level within the military – um, we have constructive credit. So basically, that's a, 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 a consolidation of your education and your experience as a civilian uh, in in the army. Um, it's a it's a more uh, in depth packet, if you will, that you get this uh, the required documents together again through Chartist, You submit this packet. Um, It actually comes to the school here, um, to the Army Management Staff College. We review that packet. The course directors uh, basically go over the learning outcomes of the courses, that specific course, and what the evidence is is provided by the applicant. Um, Then they make a recommendation, and then the packet goes on to headquarters DA for final action, whether – it's a, a approval or disapproval.
0: And so equ- equivalency is about, you said, a, a PME course. Correct. Um, and then whereas constructive credit could be uh, something I took in a college course, a master's program, a course that uh, someone would adjudicate the learning outcomes and say, yes, that's, that's close enough to our curriculum that we'll uh, – Offer that person constructive Correct. credit for that course. Correct, and 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 I'd like to go even further.
2: Constructive credit and equivalent credit does not equate to course completion. Um, we we sometimes get requests for certificates for uh, the CES course for whatever equivalent. See or constructive credit that they received, um, and again, that's spelled out in AR 350-1. You can get equivalent credit, but you don't get completion credit. Um, so there are no certificates associated with those credits.
0: I see. Okay, so I can't. So it'll say in my record that I've I've uh, completed something that's equivalent to that course, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to get a certificate saying I completed. Correct. The basic course, intermediate course, or advanced course. Exactly. Um, what el- what else about the registration process or any issues or things that we haven't talked about that would be really important for folks out there to, to know about? The,
2: well, okay, I'll, I'll jump in again. Uh, let's talk about the foundation course again. Okay. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure that it's clear. Again, we we, we get these calls all the time. Uh, do you know who I am? You know, I, I've got 30 years in the Army. Um, I know the Army inside and out. Um, why are you telling me that I have to take the foundation course? You know, well, because it's regulatory requirement. It's, it's spelled out in 350-1. All civilians – hired after 30 September 2006, must take the foundation course. Uh, pay grade is not relevant. GS1 through GS15, you have to take the uh, foundation course if you were hired after that date. Um, the response is usually, you know, uh, you know, I know everything, and I get it. I understand it. That was my attitude when I had to take it. Um, but I actually learned some stuff through the foundation course. Um, when I took it, I couldn't test out of the modules. So I had to go through the whole entire course. And again, I learned some things that I thought I knew. Um, but the, the foundation course now is set up where you can test out of each module. So if you are that, that good, you'll be able to knock it out in, you know, a day. Uh, but again, that that's one of our big, big ones is, um, why do I have to take this? I, I know it all, so I, shouldn't, I should be waived, and there is no waiver for the foundation course.
0: And, and doesn't it help uh, someone who, even if they have a lot of experience and if they are at a higher grade level, just for them to uh, take a CES course and see what's in it to, to be able to uh, coach or mentor uh, other civilians that uh, don't have those experiences and that need the knowledge that's there i mean that's kind of the way i've always looked at
1: definitely definitely i mean share share that experience share share your your learnings um you know your techniques um the opportunities you know definitely share that with with your colleagues
0: and um is there what else uh Carrie, is there something else that you wanted to add? I think there, there
1: is. There is. There's also the misconception and reference to when an applicant is out there submitting their application in TARDIS, and and they say, "Oh well, my command doesn't have any any seats available for this particular class." Don't get discouraged. I encourage you to go ahead and submit that application because any unused quotas again, at that 45-day mark, are going to be released and given to an applicant in a wait status. So if, if I leave here today, I just want to make sure you encourage you to submit that application. Um, we can't get you into the course if you do not submit that application. So it's, it's a real important. Don't get discouraged in reference to, to quotas and seats but just get that application into Chartus.
0: And, to chart us. and um, the, the final thing I wanted to talk about is uh, this dynamic that uh, probably happens for you when uh, you're in processing students. Uh, we're either over in Lewis and Clark or here in this building. And um, there's a face with a name, and it's a name that of someone who, who you've been able to help. And so what's that like when, when that happens for you? Uh, as part of the the registration the registrar team
1: for for me it is a sense of accomplishment Um, i am here to to assist to help um to give that army civilian the training opportunity that they they deserve so if, if i i can help anybody in any way to to get them to their target ces course i'm i'm i've accomplished the mission So, um, it's, it's great experience and, and great gratitude, um, to help, to help the customer.
2: Yeah. It's it's very rewarding. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be recognized, uh, again, as we're checking in students and they're like, Oh, so you're Jimmy, thank you so much for X, Y, and Z. You know, I, 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 couldn't have made it here you know i had these issues and you fixed them for me and they're usually pretty simple you know on my end because they're rep you know they're so repetitious um but again it's a crisis for the student and i understand that so it's good to you know like hey this is how you got to fix that problem whatever it is and to hear that at like you said during check-in on a monday morning for for someone to to say oh Thank you so much. You know, I, I didn't think I'd make it, um, but here I am. And, and it's a rewarding experience.
0: And I want to thank both of you for uh, the work you do to help the students because I, I, I know I go over there periodically to, to work out some things. And uh, y'all are always on the phone talking to people. And uh, so, on behalf of the Leader Up audience, I uh, want to express our, my and their appreciation for uh, all the hard work that you do. And so, uh, uh, Carrie, thank you for being with us today. No, thank you, Dave. And uh, Jimmy James, thank same, you also. Same here. Same here. Yeah. And so, Leader Up Audience, you've just heard about uh, registering for a CES course. Do you know which course you're supposed to be in? And it's not that difficult to find out. You can look in 350-1. Uh, that will tell you. And um, all of the websites, our website and the Chartist website, we will post along with this episode. So uh, all you really have to do is uh, click and start applying uh, to get into your CES course. And we'll, we'll post information about uh, how to contact the registrars also if you're having issues. And uh, they will help you get through it. And um, so get that process started. Talk to your supervisor. Figure out when is a good time to invest uh, the time for you to, to get your course done. And join us again next time for another episode of Leader Up. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or would like to learn more about our podcast, please check the description for our email and for our website. Thanks for listening.